To know the tides, you need an edge. Boundaries as the mother of rhythm. Fermata. In less than a week, I will finally take a long break from travelling to do work and from all but a minimum of obligations for the whole of August. I will write, make art and spend a good amount of time staring at the horizon from the Dorset coastline. It feels as though I haven't stopped since mid-March, but now I am on the home straight. A few moments ago, I came in from walking for 20 minutes along the beloved stretch of clifftop at the end of my road and looking out to the polar bear, or the needles. The sea was calm and there was a light southwesterly breeze. In the picture, you can see the tiny white bear in the lower left of the scene. Today her cubs were a little pink from the sunset. It's worth zooming in. From the marks on the sandy beach, you can see it is low tide. Only a few days ago, I was walking along the River Dart with my friend artist Nina Kadzo the night before my book launch, and the tide was at its high point, just passing slack water. We could see the tiny rim of wet above the level of the river itself, showing that the flow had turned already and the river was starting to drop. But the flood defence wall gave us something from which to read the state of the tide. I have been thinking lots about boundaries, edges, limits, partly around the use of electronics, my engagement with the machine and my own personal energy. There have been some good posts over the last few months from several writers I follow here about their own need for and strategies around such things. I have found this a fertile and timely area of reading and have a few thoughts to add to the collective mulling over of this somewhat gritty topic. Last week, demonstrating making paint from badger dug chalk, local red ironstone and some liquid gum arabic all pulled from a homemade basket. The audience could have been forgiven for thinking I live in some sylvan glade with little birds for helpers. And although that is occasionally the case, most of the time my work happens because I've been active online, letting people know what I'm up to, where I'm teaching, details of my book, writing this newsletter or other screen-based activity. That's the nature of being a self-employed artist or writer in 2023, which I'm sure many of you will know firsthand. Rest. As I wrote last week in Grasp the Nettle, certain handcrafts, such as making cordage from foraged fibres, can settle my mind and heart swiftly, as if by magic, the magic of touch. But this week I have set myself clear limits on my use of screens for the first time in my life, not because I'm using them more than usual, but because it feels right. Since the age of 11, I was always able to sleep for England. It was a real superpower to always get a good night's sleep. My sleep has suffered since March, no doubt caused by the well-known natural changes in hormone levels for women my age, but also exacerbated by being the busiest I have been for many years with both work and family commitments. So, to begin with, I have set firm rules about screen use on waking and going to bed, and this has already helped. In the Taoist classics, many things are listed as robbers, things which steal our energy, such as overthinking, talking too much, rich food, alcohol, too much or too little sleep, or excessive sex. The main one which concerns me currently is over-involvement in worldly affairs. 
There's just no good translation for it, but it traditionally relates to being too tied up in current events or the life of the city or government. Many Taoist tracts were originally written for those who were obliged to work as mandarins despite their religious inclinations. It is surprising how well the advice for contemplative young men about the machinations of office translates to my own life whizzing up and down Britain on trains, attempting to teach or learn good things. I will travel this weekend to the outskirts of London to spend a day with my Tai Chi teacher and his students at the week-long summer intensive. I organised this event, and many like it in the UK and Sweden, for over 15 years, assisting with teaching, taking the register, organising many aspects of the whole event. This time, I will just be a punter, going to share a few hours of what makes me feel well, and to see some good old friends. The rhythms of the seasons, the year, the decades, were measured for me in the workings of the schools, both mine and my teacher's. Now I see a different set of markers, many of them natural ones, as I gather supplies for cordage, inks and paints, or celebrate time with family. The cycles change, and are always themselves changing. This is natural. Tempo. Some meditations. Today I see rhythms, not boundaries, when I think of the limits I am setting myself around my energy work commitments and levels of enmeshment with the machine. Like the flood defences at Totnes, the low walls I have tentatively set up are allowing me to see where the tide of information reaches, when it threatens to overwhelm my banks and when it ebbs away. It is new and I cannot describe it all clearly yet, but I hope at some point I will, in case it assists others who also cannot go the full Mark Boyle Monty but who need to lessen their entanglements. The banks of a river allow us to see the cyclical movements of the tides, just as a pane of glass allows us to briefly see breath as the moisture fogs its surface. As I walked the towpath with Nina this week, I thought of the rhythm of sewing by hand, not machine, where the necessarily short lengths of thread give an almost song-length feeling counterpoint to the gentle measured beat of the up-down-up-down work of the needle as it makes the stitches. When we sew by machine, the thread on the spool is very long, usually far longer than the work at hand. Rethreading a needle when hand sewing is a moment to stretch, adjust the glasses, get a cup of tea or take a breather, or to check the phone. The scriptorium scratch of the quill pen dipped in ink is even more akin to the breaths taken when singing or reading aloud. The ink flows thickly at the start of the phrase and then thins until, unless dipped again, it fades away and trails off. Similarly, the voice that speaks from lungs full of air is strong and melodious. But unless we breathe in good time, flatness can creep in and volume can diminish by the end of a breath. Yes, there are ways in which a trained singer can prolong and moderate the flow of breath, such as by supporting the breath using the diaphragm, But what I am pointing to are the limits of the dip pen's reservoir and the lung's air capacity as beautiful edges, allowing us to see the ebbing tide of liquid or gas, ink or oxygen. Both are forms of embodied energy. The same is true when we make cordage by hand, adding in threads from the distaff to the drop spindle 
or picking up stems from the dampened natural fibre pile beside us, rather than use the ready-carded fibre-loaded spinning machine. The jug of water refilled and brought to the table somehow fulfils its convivial destiny by becoming empty and thus needing someone to refill it. No table-mounted tap is as good, and I have used those at swanky restaurants even. What is missing is the rhythm of host and guest, the embodied grace of please and thank you, the vulnerability of thirst, request and anticipated fulfilment. The finite nature of life and the limits we are given and those we choose give us meaning. Only the electronics of machines are solid state. Tideless, endless sameness is not to be trusted. The classics say, The sage is out of step with the times, but in tune with the tides. Embark. I do not wish to be sucked forward into the vacuum of the inevitable future, like the enablers of the machine. Nor do I want to flee the past like a bullet from a gun, as seems to be the desire of the servants of progress. Instead, at the best times, I feel encouraged onward with the support of all that came before like a boat lifted on a tide, setting out at the right moment. Sometimes it is time to set sail, other times to stay moored. Sometimes even it is time to return or to retrace my course. I pray for the wisdom to know the tides and the clear-headedness to pay good attention. Whether I have any skill at the rudder in the coming heavy weather remains to be seen.